thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this message. This is the Kingdom Church Podcast. You're in the right spot. We believe this message is going to speak to your heart, speak to your situation. We hope this encourages and uplifts you. So here it is. Enjoy this message. But we want you to know we are a Bible-believing church. We believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God. We don't think that God wrote the Bible but we think that God inspired people to write it. And so if you've been with us, if you're going to be with us, you'll realize every single week we pull something out of the Bible. And uh, what I believe is the Bible is living. And what that means is that although it was written thousands of years ago, it can speak to us this morning. So is anyone ready for God to speak to us? Yes. Touch the person next to you. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 31, even if you don't have the, uh, the plan, the Bible app still works, real Bible still works. If not, it's on the screen behind us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 31 says this, It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God. Now, I'm not sure about you guys, but I feel like there's an oxymoron in that sentence because I hear faith and prostitute in the same sentence. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was destroyed, was not destroyed with her people uh, who refused to obey God, for she has given freely welcome to the spies. Verse 32 says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. I don't got time for that. One thing I've realized, and I'm sure you guys are aware, it's, uh, it's now spring. We're pretty much full board into summer, and uh, it's camping season. Any campers out there? I've realized in life there are two peoples. There's campers, and then there's myself. <laughs> and Mateos. And now it's not, that, it's not that I don't like camping. It's just that I never really grew up camping. And, and now that like, I'm married to my wife, Christy, she was a camper growing up. And so she always just tells me stories of great camping adventures she had with her family, building fires, building tents, whatever else you camping people do. <laughs> you see, for myself, that I can remember one time in my life that I can remember we actually camped was once. I can remember one time. And my only memory from that camping experience was that it rained the entire time. You see, for our family, and maybe it was after that, but we're not really camping people. We are more like motorhomes with air conditioning and, and anyone like that in this room. That's kind of our, that's what we are for more camping people. Um, but as, as life has gone on, like I've realized, like being married to my wife, now we have all these friends, and people just love camping. They just love it, and they just, they, it's camping season. Maybe that's where some people are today. They're just gone camping. But <laughs> it's funny because... Uh, again, it's not that I don't like camping. It's just that it's not really me. I love the outdoors, but I just, I like to come home to indoor plumbing and a comfy bed and controlled temperatures. Come on, somebody. But there's just camping people, people that love camping. And I was just thinking about camping this week, and I was like, you know what? Like, imagine like an outsider for a second saw us as people camping. Like, just imagine an alien has a view of our earth as all of these people go camping. And I was thinking about the aliens this week. And I was like, you know what? If aliens saw us going camping, I think they'd be pretty confused. Let me explain why. Because the aliens would see us working all week so hard. Like so hard. We have to make money to pay our mortgage. 
We have to make money to pay our rent. We have to make money to furnish our house with beautiful couches and temperpudic mattresses. And then, after we've worked so hard and, and we've put all these things into our house, it's looking cozy, it's looking comfy, I think the aliens would be confused when all of a sudden these people are going to stores and they're buying these tarps and poles <laughs> to go into a forest. I, just, I, I was just thinking the aliens would be confused as the people are in the forest on these picnic tables with this one burner green propane stove type thing when they have a $2,000 stainless steel oven at home. I just thought that the aliens would be confused. What are these people doing? Why do they love camping so much? But I realized, and I've talked to people, it's, and for those who love camping, you know what it's like, and, and they'll actually tell you and they'll explain to you that it's not really like that. That camping is a time to get away. It's a time to disconnect. It's a time to just get connected with family and friends. And they love camping. And, and it's just what I realized as I began to, to think about this situation, I realized that perspective can change everything. Perspective can change everything. What I realized is that one thing that people may seem as foolish, others may see it as great joy. What we may see as, as a lack of potential, I think some people see great potential. And then that's kind of where I want to go this morning because I believe that's how God works with us. I think there are a way that we see things as humans. There's a perspective that we have, and then there's a perspective that God has. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Because I think we as humans, and I would even put it like this, I think there's a way that we see things, and then there's the reality, which is the way that God sees things. Because us as people, our, our perspective is limited by who we are. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to begin to see things from God's perspective. Because, you see, I believe that so many of us in this room, we have a picture of ourselves. And for some of us, we have a label that we have put on ourselves, a way that we see ourselves. And oftentimes, I think that the way that we see ourselves is different from the way that God sees us. And the labels that we have for ourselves, labels that perhaps other people have put on us, are different from the labels that God has for us. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to begin to see this message I believe this morning is for someone that does not understand who they really are and how God actually sees them. And so what I want to do this morning is I want us to begin to see the way that I believe God sees us, the label that God puts on us. And so this message is for anyone who needs a new perspective. What we're doing, I just read a verse in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it's often referred to as the hall of faith. You guys, if anyone, is there any sports fans in the room? What you realize that every single sport has a hall of fame, right? This is where the greats go. This is where the legends go. In the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 11, in all the whole chapter, this is known as the hall of faith. What it is, it's like the hall of fame for people in the Bible, people in the Old Testament. And it's just filled with names of people that have done something, something of great importance. And, and in Hebrews chapter 11, it starts off with Noah and Moses and Abraham. And if you have any familiarity with the Bible, you might recognize these names. These are people of great faith and people that you would expect to be in the hall of fame, in the hall of faith. But then something interesting, I think, happens in verse 31 of this hall of fame, of this hall of faith. All of a sudden, we get a switch up. Someone say switch up. switch up. And that's the verse you read in verse 31. It says this. It says, it was by faith 
that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had freely given welcome to the spies. How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith uh, for Gideon, Barak, Samson, so on and so forth. What I find so interesting is in this list of people with great faith, what it says is, says Rahab the prostitute is in this hall of faith, in this hall of fame. Now, in case you're wondering what you need to understand, a prostitute today is no different than a prostitute in this day. So whatever it is you're thinking, that's what it is. What I find even more, more interesting, and if you're not familiar with the Bible, these names won't mean anything to you, so I'll fill you in. Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, these are all mighty people in the Old Testament. These guys are all people of great importance. And what I love is that God inspired the writer of Hebrews to say, you know what, I actually don't really have time to talk about them. But he did have time for Rahab, the prostitute. I don't have time for these mighty heroes. I don't got time for David right now. But let me tell you about Rahab, the prostitute. And now from my perspective, the way I see things, when I hear prostitute, I don't necessarily think faith. And I don't necessarily think there's someone we should talk about. But here it is, because God often sees things differently than we do. This morning, I want to give hope to someone who has a label. And you believe that this label has disqualified you from God using you. You believe that your past, you believe that that name that is associated with your name has disqualified you. But I believe if Rahab the prostitute is in the hall of faith, how much more can God do with us? So what we're going to do, we're going to be in the Old Testament. The Bible is broken down into two testaments, the Old and the New. And in the Old Testament, this is before the time of Jesus, we're going to be in a book called Joshua. But before we get to Joshua, before we read the verse, I have to give us some context. And this might take a while because there's a greater context to this story. But if we don't understand the context, we won't understand the story. So we're in Joshua chapter 2, but today we actually have to start in Numbers chapter 13. So don't look at that. It's going to go away in a second. Numbers chapter 13. What happened in the Old Testament, there is a group of people called the Israelites. Can you guys say Israelites? The Israelites are God's chosen people. They're God's people. They're God's homies. You can kind of think of them as Christians. But what happens is the Israelites are enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And slave is what you think. They were literally worked to the bone. But what happens is a man named Moses comes and God says, Hey, Moses, you are going to deliver my people out of Egypt. And so through great events, signs and wonders, Moses delivers the, Egyptian, the, the Israelites from Egypt. And by Moses, I mean God used Moses. Everyone still following? The Israelites are now taken out of Egypt and God has said to them, There is this place called Canaan. This is where I want your people to go. This is the land I have for y'all to live. Because God doesn't take us out of somewhere without having something better for us. Somebody say amen. amen. And so he says, this right here, this is the promised land. This is where you guys are to go. And so what happens, he says, Moses, he says, go and send 12 spies to scout out the land. And so Moses chooses 12 people, 12 spies, 12 mighty men of valor. These are, these are people that if you saw them, you're like, that's a spy. Like, think James Bond, right? Like, Moses ain't sending in the scrubs. He's sending in the A-team. Go scout out the land. Give us a report and tell us what this land looks like. Everyone's still following. I told you there's some context. 
But what happens is 12 of them go to the land to scout out the land that God has promised them, and they come back with this report. They say, oh my gosh, this place is better than we could ever imagine. It says, man, there's fruits there as big as my head. There's just, it's just amazing. But 10 of the 12 spies come back and say, but there's just too many giants in this land. This, the cities are too fortified. If we go there, we will be destroyed. What happens is two spies, Caleb and Joshua, say, no, 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 no. It's fine. Yeah, they got people, but if God is for us, who could be against us? And so this is the report that comes back to Israel. We have 10 who say, nah, and we have two who say, yah. <laughs> and what happens when the reports are given, the nation of Israel goes with the majority. They go with the 10 that give the bad report. And that's not the report that God had. That's not what God had promised them. God said, this land is yours. The majority said, no. Here's a side note. Just because the majority believes something doesn't mean it's true. I need us to understand this because the majority of our world believes things that simply are not true. And so just because everyone says something, it doesn't mean that it's true. But let's get back to the story. Ten of them say no. And so the whole nation says, we ain't going. We're not going. And so what happens is this generation that has been delivered from Egypt never enters into the promised land. Moses, their leader, dies, and the people wander in the wilderness for 40 years. That is the context of our story this morning. Everyone still following? And so what happens, God has now raised up a new leader. The new leader's name is Joshua. And God says to Joshua the same thing he says to Moses. He says, go into the promised land. This is the land that I have for you. And so in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Listen to this. Last time Moses sent 12, only two came back with a good report. So Joshua's like, you know what? I'm just going to send two this time. I don't need 12. How many of you guys know you don't need 12 people in your life telling you about everything that you do? Sometimes it's better to have a small amount of people that you trust. Because if we trust everyone, we get pulled in different directions. So Joshua just sends two people. And he says, go and look over the land, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab. You may have heard that name before. And stayed there. Now, when you read this just without any real background, this doesn't sound very good. Two spies went to look at the land, and they went and stayed with a prostitute. I can only imagine the two spies, and they went back to camp and talked to their wives. Where'd you guys stay last night? Well, honey, you wouldn't believe it. We were just there. She's a prostitute. But it's funny, and there's something that we need to understand in this passage. And understand, these men did not go there for anything risque. They are literally there to scout out the land. And what happens is Rahab gives these two Israelite spies a place to, say, to stay. She's hiding them. But there's something in this passage and something we need to understand about ancient literature, specifically biblical literature. For the majority of the time in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, they only list people by name if they have done something or will do something of great importance. That's the only reason. And so, as an ancient Hebrew, as an ancient Israelite is reading this text, the writer is sending them somewhere. It's, he's taking them somewhere, but then there's a sharp detour. You see, anyone reading this text, as they begin, it says, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies. 
And so the belief when people start reading this story is that the two spies are going to be the main characters. These are the people of importance. These are the mighty men. These are the, these are the James Bond type looking guys. But then the writer takes us for a sharp turn. Because as the story goes on, it says, so they enter this house, and they went to the house of a prostitute, and again, the people are thinking, that's it. That's all we're going to know is they went to a house of a prostitute. But simply by saying they went to the house of a prostitute named Rahab, the writer is letting us know that Rahab is someone of importance. Someone of great importance. This is so uh, apt for our lives, I believe, because so many of us, we live our lives based on labels. And immediately when we see two spies, we say, those are the important people, not the prostitute. But the writer is giving us the, 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 the keys to the story. He's saying it's not the spies who are important. It's Rahab, the prostitute. It's Rahab, the prostitute. You see, this should make any of us stop from any generation, whether we're 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago or here today. As soon as we hear the word prostitute, it should make us stop in our tracks because that is a label. That's a name that indicates something. This was a woman that sold herself for money. But what the Bible is about to tell us is this woman is about to do something of great importance. You see, this morning I said that we are speaking about labels, and I have a belief that every single one of us in this room have a label. But here's the first point I want us to understand as we get going. Our label doesn't have to be our limit. Our label doesn't have to be our limit. Let me explain that. Every single one of us in this room, if we could think for a moment, every single one of us have a label. And some of those labels are negative things. Some of those labels are like unworthy, not enough, ugly, stupid, prostitute. Every single one of us has a label on what happens. And, and for some of us, let's just be honest, some of us have earned our label. Did you guys know that? A lot of times it's like, man, I hate when people say things about me. They don't know me. But if we're honest, a lot of the times the labels that we have are true and they're accurate. Rahab was a prostitute. But what I believe that God is teaching us here this morning, whatever your label is, your label does not have to be your limit. The way that you see yourself, the way that other people see you does not have to be your limit because one thing I believe to be true is that we cannot act contrary to how we see ourselves. We cannot act contrary to how we see ourselves. I, I don't know if any of you guys are like this, but do any of you guys ever just have like full-on conversations in your head? One time, like, and one thing that I do, just, just if you guys do this, please let me know so I'm not crazy. But sometimes, like, if I have to have a conversation with someone, maybe it's like a tough conversation or a hard conversation, sometimes, like, I'll go through the whole conversation and I'll play both roles. <laughs> then you guys do that? Yeah. And, like, I'm, I'm, this is no word of a lie. Pray for your pastor. <laughs> but, like, I've literally, like, had feelings of resentment against people for the conversations and the things that they've said in my head that aren't actually true. Right? Because I'm like, I know that's what they're going to say. Anyone like that? But listen, you don't have to be like that. It's fine if you don't. But there's this thing, and it's called rumination. It's to ruminate, right? And this is what happens in our minds is, is we build things up, and we go through conversations, and we go through scenarios. And what happens for so many of us, maybe it's not a person. Maybe it's just about ourselves. Over and over in our head, we, run, we have this narrative of who we are. 
of how we see ourselves, of the labels that we have. And what happens is the more that we, we begin to dwell on it, the more we begin to ruminate on it, it becomes a reality. And that, that picture that we have in our head becomes us. And so what happens for so many of us is we get caught in the prison of our own labels. We get caught in the prison of our own labels. We say, I will always just be what I think I am. I will always just be what people call me. I will always be not enough. I will always be just this. And, and here's the thing, because I want us to understand this goes both ways. It's not just with negative things. Sometimes, for some of us, we actually get caught in positive labels. What does that mean? In our careers, for, for some of us, I think that the label in which the things that we do, for example, like this. It's like, I'm a business person. That's who I am. That's just my identity. I'm a business person. I can't do anything else. And I, this is real conversations I've had with people. And they say, you know what, I don't think there's any place for me in church. I'm just a businessman. That's all I do. Or I'm just a doctor. I'm just a mom. All I can do is mom. All I can do is raise my kids. And what happens is we get caught in these prisons of the labels that we put ourselves in. Now understand this. There's nothing wrong with being a mom. Nothing wrong with being a doctor. Nothing wrong with being a businessman. Nothing wrong with being a pastor. But I think what can happen is we can get caught in the prison of our own label. And that label says, this is all I can be. And what happens, especially in church world, it's like, I can't really serve in church because I'm not a pastor. I can't really help out in church because I'm just a business person. But what I want us to see this morning is our labels don't have to limit us. Our labels are not our limit. The label that, that Rahab had was a prostitute. But in this story, what we're going to see this morning is her label was not her limit. It's not her limit. So I want to speak to someone in this room and you feel like you are in prison based on what people have said about you, based on what you say about yourself. God wants us to be released from that prison. And so Joshua chapter 2, verse 2, it says this. So remember, Rahab is hiding these two spies. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out your land. So in other words, they get word, something's happening, something's going on. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. So what happens here is, is someone gets word that the Israelite spies are there. In, and one of the things is a lot of times if you were spying out the land, you would go to a prostitute because she was often an innkeeper as well. She had a place to stay, a comfy place. Someone say, oh no. <laughs> and so what happens is they get word that these two spies are here. But what I love about this story, what's so interesting, is the king of Jericho does not suspect for a second that Rahab could be aiding and abiding these two men. In other words, there's no way that she's in on their scheme. And so what he says, he's like, yo, uh, bring these men out. Uh, they're, they're there to spy out the land. In other words, it's like, you're just a prostitute. You are who you are. I understand how this mistake could have happened. You're not that smart. But there's two men in your house, and they are spies. You see, what they are doing is they are overlooking Rahab because of her label. I wonder if there's anyone in this room that's ever been overlooked because of a label. And so they say, you probably don't know what's going on. Listen, this is what I want to speak about for a second. You see, the labels and the negative things that people give to us, oftentimes God will use that negative thing and he will turn it into a positive. 
If Rahab wasn't a prostitute, they would have suspected something was up. She's helping these men out. But because of her label, they just overlooked her. And what I want to see, and this is what I believe to be true in life, is that every single one of us, God wants to turn that label. God wants to turn that thing. God wants to turn whatever we may be ashamed of into something that can bring life. I was reading this week about an organization, uh, and it's actually literally called Rahab. It's called Rahab, a Ministry of Hope. And uh, what this organization is, it was started by a lady. And this lady, she, uh, she, in, for most of her adult life, she had drug problems, alcohol problems. And uh, she just struggled with, you know, promiscu- promiscuity. I can't say that word right now. Promiscuity, not miscongeniality. <laughs> and so what happens is eventually God changed her life, and she felt in that moment that God was calling her to do something and he planted this seed for this ministry. And what this lady did, she started Rahab Ministries and what she did is she literally went out onto the streets where there was people that were selling their bodies and she went there and she just offered them hope and healing. And one of the ways that she was successful at first is she was able to use her story. Her story is about addiction. Her story is about brokenness to reach these people. And what has happened now over the years is Rahab, a ministry of hope, has grown, and they have safe houses. And they literally go on the streets and they will save women. They have saved over 60 underage women from sex trafficking. And a part of what they do is when they bring people out of that lifestyle and their lives begin to change, they will use those very people to help bring out more people. Do you guys see what I'm saying? Because sometimes those labels and those things that we are ashamed of, And I don't think for a second I'm saying that it's a good thing to be in sex work. I'm not. But what I'm saying is that God can use those things that we see as shameful and turn them into something to bring life. And so in this story, this label caused her to be overlooked. But God was about to use it. And understand this, in your life, that label, God can use it for something. Here's a lighter story I heard. There's a pastor. I I enjoy listening to him. And what he said, he said, growing up, he always got in trouble because he was a class clown. He's telling jokes and getting in trouble. But he said, every single time I got in trouble, when I came home, my mom would say to me, God's going to use this. 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 And one of the reasons I enjoy listening to this pastor is because he's hilarious. And so now one of the ways he ministers, he's a huge church, is through humor and, and through his sense of humor. You see, God will take those labels and he'll do something with them. I wonder this morning what your label is. And so she's completely overlooked. Verse 2, it says, The woman had taken the two men and hidden them, like we said at the start. And so she said, Yes, these men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly that you may catch up with them. So she sends them on a wild goose chase. But does anyone see what she does here? What did she do? She just lied. Right? You guys all see that? She's hiding the men, and now she's lying. And it's so interesting because for some people, when they read this story about Rahab, it can cause them great confusion. Because the Bible refers to her as a woman of faith. But now we've learned two things about her. We've learned she's a prostitute, and she's a liar. But she's also a woman of great faith. And some people have been confused, like, what does this mean? And, and I want us to understand this. And this gives us two very important facts about the Bible. Number one, one of the ways I believe that we know that the Bible is true is because the Bible never paints their heroes in anything different than the people that they actually were. In other words, they all put everything in, good, bad, and otherwise. 
Why? Because that is the way it actually happened. And so it's in there. But if we listen to this and we understand this, this is not God's way of saying it's all good to be a prostitute. It's all good to lie, live in that lifestyle forever, and I'll use you in it. That's not what he's saying. But the story, what I believe is an example of, is how God will use us in the midst of our mess for his purpose. God will use us in the midst of our mess for his purpose. Here's what I want to say, because so many of us have this idea that I can only be used when I am refined. I can only be used once I get rid of that thing in my life, once I push my past like way behind. No, God will use you. Not that version of you you hope to be. Not that version of you five years from now. God will use you right now in the midst of your mess, in the midst of her lies, in the midst of her prostitution. God uses her. This is so different because growing up I had this picture, especially when it came to church world, that like God only used perfect people. That the pastor must be perfect. You want to know how I learned that was not true? I became a pastor. And I was like, I'm far from perfect. But here's the, here's the journey that God takes us on. And I believe he wants to take every single one of us in this room on. And he's taking Rahab on in this moment. You see, for so many of us, God will take us from point A to point B to point C and so on and so forth. But what I've realized in my life is that God does not use me because I'm perfect. I am far from it. But one thing I know in my life is I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. Someone say, I'm not who I used to be. I'm here, but I'm still not quite where I want to be. Anyone caught in that place? It's like, I'm not where I used to be, but I'm not quite where I want to be. Like, I still want God to refine me. I still want God to to say, Harrison, you got to cut back on some of those jokes you tell at home. I'm still in the process of being refined, but what happens is that God will use you at every step. And so what I'm speaking, what I believe God is speaking to us is like, he doesn't care where you're from. He doesn't care what step you're at. One thing we pump every single week, we pumped it again today. Kreja killed it. Growth track. We say, hey, join our team. And listen, that invitation to join our team is not five years from now. It's not when you have that sin out of your life. It's not when you're perfect, no. It's saying, hey, we want you on our team right here, right now. You're not perfect. We don't want you to stay where you're at, but I believe God can use you in that season right here, right now. I'm not where I used to be. I'm still not where I'm going to be, but God's going to use me right here. And that's what we see in the story of Rahab. God is using her. God is using her. You see, the purpose of this story is not to show how God allows sin. It's to show how God uses people in the midst of it, in the midst of our shortcomings, in the midst of our labels. God will use us. You see, in Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, when it talks about Rahab the prostitute, this is meant to shock us. It's meant to shock us. What do you mean Rahab is the is the main person in this story. What do you mean she's of importance? It's meant to shock us. The fact that she's included in the hall of faith and why I wanted to start with Hebrews chapter 11 is I wanted to shock us. How could a prostitute have great faith? Here's where I believe Rahab becomes a woman of great faith. Joshua chapter 2, verse 8. I'm going to invite the band up. It says in verse 8, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up onto the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard 
how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for when you came out of Egypt. How many of you guys know people hear when God does things? And what you did at Shiho and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. I need to understand this. And there's a reason I wanted to give us that long context at the start. You see, 40 years earlier, these great and mighty men were sent to scout out the promised land. They were sent to give a report about what was to come, what could they expect. And what happened was these 10 mighty men came back with a report that said, there's too many people. The walls are too fortified. They look like giants compared to us. If we go there, we will die. That's the report that these mighty men, these spies gave. But now we're 40 years later, and I hope someone sees the irony in this. 40 years later, two more spies are headed out to Jericho, and they're there to scout out the land, but it's not the spies who give the good report. It's a Canaanite woman, a Canaanite prostitute named Rahab, who tells these two mighty men about how great their God is. It took Rahab the prostitute to tell these mighty men about who God was. Listen to this, friends. God uses us where we are at in every single season. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you came from, God will use you in the midst of it. And the ultimate irony in this story is that this woman is telling them about how great their God is. That is why Rahab is considered a woman of great faith, Rahab the prostitute. But here's what I love about Jesus. Here's what I love about God is that God will never keep us where we were. You see, what happens is that Rahab eventually, she, she joins the nation of Israel. She gets married to a man and, and her story goes on and we don't know much about it. But what we do know is that she gives her life to the God who created the heavens and the earth. And in James chapter 2, it tells us something about Rahab. It says this in verse 25. This is the New Testament now. It says, in the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she said when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? You see, what James is telling us here, James is giving us a glimpse of who Rahab now is. She's no longer Rahab the prostitute. She's Rahab the righteous. She's Rahab the righteous. Was not Rahab considered now righteous? It's Rahab the righteous, because look at verse 24, Joshua chapter 2. Joshua said, he gets the report, he says, The Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All of the people are melting in fear because of us. And so what happens is the Israelites go and they conquer the land and they go into the promised land, the land that God has called them to go into. And the only reason that they're able to do that is because of the report of Rahab the prostitute, who's now Rahab the righteous. It's Rahab the righteous. Listen to this, friends. There's someone in this room, you have a label, whatever that label is. I want you to understand when God comes into our lives, he will use that label for good. He will do something with that label, but God will not keep you with that label forever. God's going to give you a new label. God's going to give you a new name. She's no longer Rahab the prostitute. She's Rahab the righteous. 
Someone in this room, your new name is righteous. Your new name is forgiven. Your new name is victorious. It's not who it used to be. I'm not who I used to be. God's about to use you. God's about to do something. I want to close with this. Can I share one more thing? You guys okay with that? We're a little over time. In Matthew chapter 1, we get a genealogy of Jesus. And I told you the significance of people's names. And in the genealogy of Jesus, it's every single name from Abraham all the way to Jesus. And in this genealogy, it says this in verse 5. It says, Salmon, Salmon was the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Ebed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. So what we find out here is Rahab is King David's great-great-grandma. But we're still not blessed yet because there's something I want us to see. In the genealogy of Jesus, there are only five women who are mentioned by name. There are only five. It's mostly men. This is a very patriarch, patriarchal society. Only five women who are mentioned. And what I love is that one of the five women that is mentioned in this name of all the names that lead to our Savior is Rahab. Look at this. In verse 16, it says, Jacob, this is moving on, was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, and Mary was the mother of Jesus, who was called the Messiah. We all expect Mary to be mentioned. Because Mary is seen with rainbows and butterflies and halos, and she was the, son, the mother of Jesus. But what I love about the genealogy of Jesus, get this, is you cannot get to Jesus unless you first go through Rahab. Come on. What that means is you cannot understand Jesus until you first understand Rahab. But you know what this list? This list says nothing of Rahab the prostitute. She's just Rahab. She's just Rahab. Whatever your label is, friend, let's all stand. Church, let's stand to our feet. God wants to give you a new name. He wants to give you a new label. And he wants to use you to bring life. You can't get to Jesus unless you through, first go through Rahab. Everyone's heads are bowed. Everyone's eyes are closed. If there's someone here this morning, you have a label. You have something that you want to put in the past. And you say, hey, this morning, I want to give my life to Jesus. Every single week, we give people the opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus. And so this morning, if you're here and you want to give your life to Jesus, we're going to give you the opportunity. It's super simple. All we ask you to do is raise your hand. I count to three. And what you say is, I want to give my life to Jesus. We're going to pray. Harrison, count me in that prayer. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. You want to give your life to Jesus. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Just show me your hand. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you want more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. You will find everything that you need and so much more. We can't wait to see you again. Take care.